Who's a Star Wars fan? Anybody? Anyone? All right. Some of you are like, what's Star Wars? I don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah, but you're going to have to go watch it. It's amazing. We are using an incredible set of films to walk into a very tough topic called The Force. For those of you who wonder, like, can we use The Force? What's The Force? If you haven't watched Star Wars, this whole entire series is going to go whoop, but just go watch it. But the force, this idea that there's a force in life, we're going to talk about it. And so many of you, though, you may not be aware, you caught some glimpses of it, though. You know that today uh, the prison band led us, and so I want to welcome everybody and listen to this on Sundays, every Sunday, every single weekend, just like we do here, there's a group of Fountain Springers that meet at RCMU. So let's give it up to the fellas at RCMU. If you, if you missed it, we just finished up a series called Step Up, and we talked all about what we're going to be doing in the future, and one is we're going to launch even another location on the east side of town. So just go, if you want to, on our website or through the app, and you can watch all that. If you missed the documentary, you missed popcorn, and I just don't understand you, but, but you can go online and watch the documentary, too. You've got to see that and learn all that we're going to be doing as a church over the next uh, about 18 months. But today, we're going to talk about something very difficult, very... Uh, very deep, very confusing at times. The force, what I'm alluding to, what I'm talking to you about, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that part that many of us have heard. Oh, you've heard of a pastor or a priest say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And most of us are like, oh yeah, Father, Son, and that other part. Uh, don't understand them, don't get it. Some of you have watched TV and you've tuned to different stations that go all weird when we talk about the Holy Spirit and people are falling down and thrown all over the place. You're like, I don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And if you're like me, I grew up in a tradition where we just never talked about the Holy Spirit because frankly, we didn't understand the Holy Spirit. And so we avoided the topic. I'm going to talk to you about it for three weeks. And for those of you who are worried, like, oh no, this is too deep. No, uh, I'm not that intelligent. So I think we're going to try to boil this down. And my goal is literally the goal I hope we land on each week is that you and I both will know God more, perhaps knowing the God that you and I never knew. So I hope you'll be attentive and listen in, and I, I think this will be profound because the Holy Spirit, just to sum it all up, is God's presence here on earth right now. And so you and I need to know this. So, so let's open up with a question. A typical question I like to ask, and, and it'll have a reason, and I'll, I'll help you understand this. Have you ever overestimated someone or something? Have you ever overestimated a situation of someone? Now, now, typically, I like to use those kinds of questions to bash some of your NFL teams. <clears throat> but I can't do that anymore because I've overestimated my team. I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Yeah. Yeah. We beat the Lions, but nobody cares. We beat the Steelers, no one cares. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, normally I would pick on you. I mean, like, it's easy to pick on Cowboy fans. And, and, and I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, you've, you've never overestimated anything. You've never had any hope, <laughs> right? And, but I can't say that anymore, at least for this season, because my team is horrible, and I overestimated their ability to throw a football and, and actually hold on to a football. And so, so I can't really go there for a little bit. But, but you have, and I have overestimated. So you've, you've started off a relationship, and they were the one and two weeks later, you're trying to figure out how to get out of that relationship. 
because they're not the one. You overestimated the situation. You go on one date and you realize, oh my goodness, this is horrible. You started a new school year, had all these high hopes, and you learned a little bit later, maybe you overestimated some things. And overestimating happens all the time. All of us are guilty, and, and it hurts, and, and we don't like it. So let's flip the question upside down. Have you ever underestimated someone or something or a moment? Now, less of us are guilty of this because most of us are skeptics and pessimists. Like, no, I've really never underestimated anyone. No one meets my expectations. And, and you've had that. But the underestimating thing is something that we actually really enjoy because you and I like the storyline of a, of a team overachieving. A team that was from a small school district that beat the bigger team and, or, or that has a lower salary cap. And we love those, those incredible stories of someone who wasn't supposed to overcome, but they've overcome. Some of you, you, you underestimated after that first date, and now you're married to them. You're like, this was amazing. First date didn't go well. Now I love them. And you've underestimated a lot of situations. Now, here's why I talk to you about this, is if you underestimate the wrong thing, you're underutilizing something very valuable to you. And so that's why we have this conversation. Could you be, could we be underestimating God? Have you ever considered the idea that you're underestimating how involved God is in our lives? Now, I know a lot of us were like, oh, I know God made some stuff and made things and he's awesome, but many times we think he's removed. And, and there was a time that he interacted with us, he sent Jesus, but then he kind of went back. And, and we underestimate God. Now, here's the deal. If you're underestimating God, you're missing out on some amazing parts of a relationship with God. So that's what I want to unfold for you. But we've got to walk this out. And for me to help you not underestimate God, for me to help us not really have that conversation, I've got to teach you about you. Okay? So I'm going to teach you about you. We're going to have an anatomy lesson. Don't get scared, parents. But in order for me to teach you about you, we've got to look in the Bible. And there's a part of the Bible that I want to read to you out of the book of Luke. Now, I'm about to read this to you in a way that the Bible's never been read to you. I can promise you that. So, let's go to Luke and read what Luke has to say. We can't do that for every verse because I'll lose, I'll lose attention and forget about you. Some of you are like, oh yeah, that's normal. That's what we do as a church. We scroll like Star Wars. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. And some of you are like, I love the Bible more than ever before. And you're going to try to find the app that does that. That's amazing. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me read this Luke verse to you that helps you and I understand something about us so that we can understand God. Luke, you must love the Lord your God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Many of you have heard this before. Yeah, yeah, love God with everything you've got. So let me boil that whole verse down into the three pieces of you, body, mind, and soul. Now, here's where the anatomy lesson comes in. You have a body. That's as far as we're gonna go with that. <clears throat> You have a body. You know that you have a body. That's not a surprise or a shock. Some of you are like, yes, I know I have a body. And some of you are like, yeah, I know. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> if you watch enough marketing, most of marketing goes at your body, talks to you about your body. 
and that whole desire, that body. And, and I need to clear something up because you may not know this. You may not have been taught this or you may have misinterpreted something. Your body, you need to understand your body. What you do with your body affects your mind and your soul. We often think that what I do with my body is just my body. It doesn't affect anybody else. It doesn't affect me internally. It does. It affects your mind and your soul. What you choose to do with your body is important. Now, I know we've all learned that, and many of us are trying to eat healthier, and, but you've got to understand that your mind and your soul are dramatically impacted by what you do with your body. Now, this is not new to any of us. You know you have a body. We just had to go there for a moment. You have a mind. Do not nudge your spouse and make a joke right now. Both of you have minds. All of us have minds. I've learned that with age, it appears as though the mind changes a bit, but uh, that mind you've got. Many of you are, are nerds at the highest level. You know everything about everything that you possibly should never know, but you know it. Some of you are trivia people that astound all of us. And many of you are book readers. You love to expand and expound your mind. You know your mind's important. Your mind is where you're making your choices from. The choices that you've already made today. Coffee or no coffee. If you didn't have coffee, I don't know how you're alive. But you made choices. Choices in your emotions. You know those emotions? <laughs> that, that many of us feel like where one day is great, the next day isn't your mind. That's processing in your mind. Your choices, your emotions, it's all going on in your mind. Here's why I'm explaining all of this. Because you understand that you have a body. You understand that you have a mind in which you make choices from. But that third part we need to focus on. You also have a soul. Other places of the Bible or other versions of the Bible call it a spirit. You have a spirit, a soul. And I'll tell you something very important about you. The soul is the only part that lives forever. Now, I know many of you, you give a great deal of attention to your body. You should. You give a great deal of attention to others, to your mind, and you should. But the part of you that lives forever, the part of you that goes beyond your 80, 90, 100 years, that soul, that spirit, if you're not giving it attention, you're in danger. And I don't mean that to scare you. I'm just helping you understand how important. Your soul, your spirit, God knows about. In fact, if you want to look at it this way, your soul, your spirit is using your mind and your body as a vehicle, driving you around. Sometimes places you don't want to go. But you are a soul. You are a spirit. You're like thinking, this sounds like a sci-fi film. Well, I think they stole it from the Bible. This is so true, and I know it seems weird. It's why we don't oftentimes have this conversation, because we're scared of the conversation going weird. But I'm just telling you something about you. Whether you've given it attention or not, or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of this, you are a soul. You are a spirit. Dwelling in a body, having a mind, and God pays the most attention to your spirit. In fact, the Bible unfolds a little bit that you are just driving a vehicle of sorts, that you are just inhabiting something. I'll, I'll show this to you in Corinthians. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, you're like, tent, David, you're speaking my language. Some of you love to tent and camp and leave your house that you have, you're paying for to live in a tent. Uh, for we know that if the earthly tent, your body, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Go to verse six. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. 
You, you dwell in a body. Now, all of this is important. The reason, like, wait a minute, David, I thought we were talking about the Holy Spirit. I thought we were talking about God. Well, you and I have to understand this, is that you are a spirit, you are a soul that inhabits a body. And guess what about God? God has a spirit. The Holy Spirit is what the Bible calls him. Some call it the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an it, not a mist, not a force. And in fact, to help you understand this, when you believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, died for you, when you believe in Jesus as your Savior, when you decide that you can't save your own soul, that your parents can't save your own soul, your grandma can't save your own soul, you can't be good enough to save your own soul, and you believe that Jesus' death on a cross, his death paid your price for your sins, when you believe that Jesus saved your soul, God fills you with the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, what? The Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, dwells in you if you are a believer, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. The presence, the very presence of God dwells in you. Some of us, that's like, what? And, and I, I'm not making this up. I'm not getting into crazy world. The Bible tells us this and it unpacks it in an awesome way. And now, you Gentiles, if you don't know what a Gentile is, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. For those of you who don't know this, God has saved you. He did not leave you and I abandoned in our sin problem. Every one of us is guilty of sin. And if you haven't resolved your sin problem, your soul is in trouble. But there's good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, Jesus Christ, he identified you as his own. How? By giving you the Holy Spirit. By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit dwells in those of us who believe Jesus saved us. This is so critical because if you have not processed this, processed this, if you have not lived this out, I would tell you and I all together be guilty of underestimating what God can do in our lives. When you do not live and wake up and thrive in the day in such a way that you know that God is with you. Remember that whole conversation about Jesus being born, God is with us? Well, when Jesus left the earth, he didn't say, hey, best of luck, everybody. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving. I know you're bummed out. I'm paraphrasing. I know I'm leaving. I know you're bummed out. You're sad about this, and you're wondering what's going to go on, but don't worry, everybody. I'm going to leave my spirit with you. You will do greater things, see greater things. If you don't understand the context of this, imagine if Jesus, who died and rose from the dead, was like, hey, it's good to see everybody again. I'm going to hang out here forever. That means that you and I would have to buy a ticket, let's go to Israel, and let's go see this guy named Jesus. And every one of us would be gathering and converging upon Israel, every one of us, all the bazillion amount of people flowing all over the earth would say, I gotta go meet Jesus, and you see that that probably not, would not work well. And so Jesus had a better plan, rather than everyone have to converge in on Israel for everyone to understand and meet God, he says, I got a better idea, I'm gonna have my spirit, I am going to dwell in the 
souls of everyone who believes. It was a brilliant plan that is real. If you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So let me sum this up. The Holy Spirit is God. Some of us think, well, the Holy Spirit, okay, is the Holy Spirit the third wheel? Is the Holy Spirit this mist or this weird part of it? I mean, most of us identify with God the Father, God the Creator. We know, like, okay, we look at the hills, the Black Hills, they're amazing, especially on a motorcycle. They're even more amazing. Or some of you like the ocean and you love the ocean. Or some, No, sorry, go back to the mountains. You love the mountains. And, and you love this whole miraculous creation of God. You know, the human body is so intricate and put, perfectly put together. You understand God the Father made this and you identify with God the Father. You look at creation and say, God is amazing. Some of you more identify with God the Son, Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God, he's the Son of God, came to earth. He lived for 33-ish years. He taught all about himself, about God, and it made the religious people so mad, they decided to kill him. So they, they got some tricksters put in the system, and they were able to get Jesus literally nailed and killed on a cross However, they didn't win because three days later, proven fact, historical fact, Jesus came out of the tomb even though he had been deemed dead. He broke the whole rule of death. And that, what that does is it gives you and I salvation. And so oh, the mission statement of this church is to show people who Jesus is. Your entire Bible, our Bible points from the beginning to the end, points all to Jesus. And so we say, I love Jesus as you ought to say, but Jesus the, or, Jesus, or God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you're like, yeah, don't understand that part. That's weird to me. It's not weird when you and I understand that you are a spirit, you are a soul inhabiting a body. Perhaps that helps us explain. The Holy Spirit is God, and he's chosen, if you want to, if you believe, to reside in you. So, let me walk you through some profound, I think, understanding of this. Because many of you are now probably on the, in the context, you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, sounds pretty neat. I want God to dwell in me. I got some decisions to make, some things to think about, processes to go through. I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me. And many of us, let me explain to you your understanding or experience with the Holy Spirit. At least it's been mine. It starts off in a diagram. I did this for you. You're welcome. Salvation. Many of you have experienced what's called salvation. If you read your Bible, you read about getting saved. Salvation. It's when... Uh, what I described to you, you've chosen to believe that you can't save yourself, and what Jesus did saved you, and you had this salvation moment. Some of you remember the exact date that you believed. Some of you remember the age, where you were at, what happened. When you decided to pray to God, and you said, I believe I'm giving you my life. As a kid, I grew up always talking about how Jesus was in my heart. Some of you remember that even as an adult. Some of you, when I've asked you to stand up and declare that you have prayed, you acknowledge that and you stood up and that's been your moment. You remember that salvation moment. It was awesome. It was epic. You've never forgotten it. You felt God like you've never felt before. And then the next step was to go public with this. Your faith is not supposed to be private. You went public and so you got baptized. If you don't know what baptism is, it's when we put you underwater. That sounds weird and like we're trying to hurt you. We're not. But it's symbolic. It goes all the way back in your Bible when they would take someone under the water, letting the old self, the old stuff die, be washed away, and you come up as a symbolic moment saying, I'm a brand new creation. I am new because God's made me new. And many of you remember your baptism. It's hard to forget your baptism. 
and you've been a part of maybe some baptism services here where we celebrate and party like it's crazy. By the way, the next baptism we have, you better bring air horns and cowbells. It's a celebration. It's an awesome moment. And so many of us remember this. We have salvation, baptism, and then we have that. The rest of life, and we're like, it doesn't feel like it used to feel. And it isn't, I'm not experiencing this, and you have these circumstances. Monday happens, Tuesday happens, your year happens, and you're like, I don't feel what I felt. And, and so here's what we typically do is we try to return back to salvation. And many of you have been saved 907 times. Every time I ask you to stand up and fill out a card, you're like, I'm going to do it again. And, I, and you're trying to prove not only to yourself and to God, but you're trying to lock that in and say, you know what, I mean what I meant. And I'm going I'm to restate this. And you don't have to restate it. God didn't abandon you and run away from you. And so we try to relive salvation. Some of you, you've been baptized 907 times, and you don't have to do that. According to the Bible, Jesus was baptized one time. You only got to be baptized one time. And so many of you try to get baptized again. Stop it, by the way. <laughs> And we're trying to relive that moment that the Holy Spirit filled us. You didn't know that, you didn't have the words for that, but that's what you're trying to do. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit filled you. And it was rich. And you try to relive it, we're all guilty of it. I've done it many times, trying to relive that. And This is not the life that God designed for you, to be insecure that you're saved. To have to get baptized to prove something to yourself. That's not what he designed. Here's what he designed. is for you and I to get saved. Many of you, your next step is salvation. And then some of you are like, okay, David, I've prayed that prayer. I'm gonna, I've got salvation. I got that locked in. Then your next step is baptism. You're like, David, I've already done salvation and baptism. What's my next step? It's to live in the presence of God. It's to acknowledge that the presence of the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And for many of us, no one's been brave enough to talk to us about that. So, I apologize to you. This gets a little weird and a little difficult and it has some work required. <laughs> See, this part, you turn everything over and say, God, I can't do it on my own. You declare it and then the work really starts. And this is where a lot of us lose and forget the presence of God in our lives. And so I'm gonna try to explain this as best as I can. I put here in my notes, we need to tune our attention to the Holy Spirit. Your day, when you start, all through the day, and even when you go to sleep, your goal should be to tune yourself to the Holy Spirit. Let me explain it this way. Dude, I don't know if any of you remember this. It's called a tuner radio. It's where it wasn't digital. I know some of you are like, no, I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, there, there was this day, in fact, I think you can still kind of buy them. They're usually the less expensive radio. Uh, where you had to tune it. Here, here's how it works. Uh, you, you, you turn the radio on, and it usually starts off like this, and then you had to tune it in. Let's see if we can find anyone's favorite team. Oh, now I've lost some of you. I can't do any more. But many of you remember this. Some of you, I'm speaking your language. Some of you, you're looking at this. Is this an ancient artifact? I've never seen such a thing. What powers it? Where's the iPhone charger for, and, and you look at this, but, but some of you still have this. Some of you even have it in your vehicles where you have to tune in. Uh, my, my daughter has one of these radios because it was the cheaper radio. And, and, all, and our, in our home, we have a lot of music going all the time. 
Like really, if you ever come over to the house, it's, it's, there's some radio somewhere, some music, something. There's music in the house some way because I can't sing whatsoever, so I don't want to hear that. I want to hear some, some awesome, beautiful noise. So at night, all three of our kids listen to music. Each night, they turn on whatever system of music that produces whatever in their room. They do that. My daughter, my middle child, Ellie, she's seven, she has a radio. It's cheap. It plays CDs, and it also has a radio, but it's the tuning radio. So I'll go in, and, and I'll say, hey, Ellie, do you want to listen to your radio tonight? And she'll typically say yes. And, and so I'll turn it on, and it'll be fuzzy, and I've got to tune it in. And, and we're, we're parents. We're trying to be good parents, pay attention to the music that she's going to sleep to. And, and, and so I turn into a good station, and she starts to listen to it. And, and then I tell her I love her, and we all go to bed. Uh, a couple days later, going the same routine, Hey, honey, do you, do you want to listen to the radio? Yeah, I'd love to listen to the radio. And I turn the radio on, and it's a gun out fuzz. And you may think, well, did someone turn the dial? No, no one turned the dial. That's how a tuner radio works. It, it rarely stays on that station. It rarely gives you that, that frequency all the same. You've got to tune in a little bit each time. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. See, many of you, you you've forgotten and not acknowledged the presence of God. It's not because he's left. It's because you're not tuned into him. You haven't intentionally tuned in to the Holy Spirit. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't turned his back on you because you were bad. Is you're not tuned in. You're not being intentional about learning to listen to the presence of God who dwells in you if you're a Christian. And, and when you have that, you have to do some work. You have to be intentional. You can't just go get rebaptized all the time, and you can't just fill out a salvation card every time. You've got to do some work. You've got to tune in. Tuning in is essentially paying attention to the nudge. You know that nudge that God always does with you? Sometimes you like it, sometimes you hate it. <laughs> that nudge where you, you're supposed to go talk to that coworker and encourage them, you're like, I don't want to encourage them. And you're like, where did that thought come? That's probably a bad thought, I shouldn't do that. Those thoughts that often come where you're gonna encourage someone or help someone, or you're gonna make a big leap of faith, those nudges, you know what I'm talking about, where God nudges you to do something, to get involved in someone else's life or to help you make the right decision, and sometimes we listen, sometimes we don't. That nudge, paying attention to those nudges, is how you begin to tune in. So I'm gonna share with you a couple things. Two simple things that will help you tune in to the Holy Spirit. Now, what I'm about to share with you, you probably have heard before. And so if you're like me, oftentimes when I hear something I've heard before, I, I tune out. I'm like, oh, I've heard that before. It's not new. I, if, you, if you can give me some freedom here, if you'll listen to what I'm about to tell you, and rather than evaluate whether you've heard it or not, evaluate whether you do it or not. If you evaluate whether you do it or not, I think we'll get further and be able to tune in. But the whole question of this is, who are you willing to trust with your life? You see, when you talk to, about a radio station, when I talk about a radio station, you have three different main radio stations in your life, if you don't know this. One is the Holy Spirit. It's what I've been talking to. Holy Spirit has this radio station in your life, and you need to tune into it. However, there's two other radio stations that you and I notoriously listen to. One is you. You have your own radio station. You talk to yourself all the time, and you say some crazy things to yourself, and you tune into what you're saying. Typically, your radio station is all about you. <laughs> then there's another radio station that we talk about often on. It's the devil, the evil one. That, that radio station often tells you that you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do that. No one's going to like you anymore. They're going to cut you off. 
you're going to fail. That's that radio station. You think, why would we ever listen to that? It doesn't make sense to talk about it. And Why do we listen to that? But we do, don't we? That radio station you need to get away from, and your radio station, you're not the smartest person. You need to decide who are you willing to trust with your life. I suggest the Holy Spirit. And if you want to begin to tune into the Holy Spirit, there's two things. One, spend time with God. You're like, I knew you'd say that, Pastor David. <laughs> spend time with God. See, see, this is where the work happens, right? See, see, some of you got married, and then you realized, oh, this requires work. You're like, how'd you know? Yeah, I just know, trust me. See, once some of you had kids, you're like, I can't wait to have those cute little kids, these are awesome, and you hold them and then you realize, they get older. <laughs> and they become teenagers. And you're like, why didn't I work at this earlier? See, every, every good relationship requires work. You have to acknowledge that. To make any good relationship work and thrive, it requires work. So I'm gonna talk to you about this in the context of God. You need to spend time with God. So that you can understand God. The more that you know God, the more that you, you will understand him. Let me help you understand that through my two-year-old, Titus. He's two. He loves to talk. Now, if you've ever talked to a young two-year-old boy, you don't understand most of what he's saying. In fact, if I brought Titus up here and said, Titus, will you tell us about your day today? Oh, he'll love that moment. He'll talk the rest of the service all about his day. You'll hear some words that you might recognize, Woody and Buzz and Toy Story. That's his life right now. And he'll begin to tell you things, but I can tell you that most of the words you will have no comprehension of. You'll hear this and be like, and you politely, you would listen to Titus and say, oh, that's so sweet, you're so cute. And then you'd look at me and go, what did he just say? What was that gibberish? And what I will be able to tell you is what he said. Not because I speak gibberish, I speak Titus. I'm his father. I spend a great deal of time with my son. And even though he talks gibberish and it's funny as he learns new and new vocabulary words, the more time I spend with him, the more time I understand him. And although it might be new and fresh to you and you won't get all the words he's trying to say, and some of them you'll latch on to, I would be able to translate for my two-year-old to you and tell you everything he was talking about, about how Buzz and Woody jumped off of a car and were running to save a bunch of other toys. And I can explain all that to you because I know my son. See, a lot of times you guys open up your Bibles, we open up our Bibles and we don't understand what the Bible's saying. And so we drop it and we give up. And what God is saying is like, hey, spend time with me regularly. Spend time with me so that you can learn how I talk and we can begin to understand. It's like any relationship, the more time you spend with God, the more you will understand those nudges from his Holy Spirit. And one of the ways to spend time with God is to read your Bible. You're like, I thought that was just for Sunday school. No, no, actually God did not give you a Bible to figure out if you liked him or not. God did not give you a Bible to make you feel bad when you don't read it. God gave you a Bible for one singular purpose, so you would know him. He wanted you so badly to know him. And many of us, we read our Bibles when we're desperate. Or when we go to church and we're like, I'm, he's gonna show that on a screen on a TV and that's when I'm gonna read my Bible. And, and the intention of the Bible is this, not to be confusing, but so that you could know God. And the more you read your Bible, the more you are going to understand God. Psalm 32 unfolds this a little bit for us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Some of you, this is your prayer. God, instruct me and teach me in the way I should go. 
And he's like, I have. It's the Bible. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. When you open up your Bible, the more you open it up, the more you read it, the more you'll understand, and the more those nudges from the Holy Spirit you will get. Now, let me help you on this. See, some of you are like, where do I start reading in my Bible? Where do I get a Bible? If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can go. There's a free Bible. If you download the Bible app, you can get that. But even better than that, if you have our church app, yes, we have an app, and it's good. You can go to our church app, and there's a next steps button. You press that next steps button, and on there is a 21-day reading plan through the book of John. Each day, it will tell you what to read. And if you even press another button through the app, it will read to you what you're supposed to read. It's perfect. And if you spend the next 21 days reading the book of John, here's what I can promise you. You will know God more in 21 days. And you will be able to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit much better. I encourage you to get to know God. Talk to God. Here's the last one. Spend time with people who love God. You're like, I am. I'm a church, David. Well, good job. Good job. You came to church. Spend time with people who love God. But listen to this. When you're processing things and looking through things and at life and, and it gets confusing and you got all these radio stations all converging on you and, and, and you got worry and anxiety and fear and you've got all these things pressing in on you, you not only need to listen to God, you need to press into people who love God who will give you wise counsel. Some of you, when you want to know what God wants to do in your life, you go to people who don't love God and you got to understand they're not going to give you great wisdom. you got to spend time with people who love God. The Bible also tells us this in Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You're like, oh, that's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. And you and I are supposed to spend time with people who sharpen us. If you want to know this, for our church, whenever we've made big moves, I've not only talked to God, but I put it on the table in front of some people that I love very much and who love God very much. That's why I always tell my wife, like, hey, I think God wants us to have a hot tub. And she looks at me and says, I don't know who you're listening to. <laughs> so you got to have the right people speaking wisdom into your life. If you want to engage the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you don't want this to just be religion, if you don't want to have to always return to trying to be a good person and trying to get saved again and baptized again, if you don't want to, then you're going to pay attention to this. The Holy Spirit is God. And God, if you believe, dwells in you. That sums up the whole message here. Today's whole message is about saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Some of you have grown up in church and you thought that you had, but actually you had said yes to religion. Some of you had said yes to just making life better. Some of you just said yes to a boyfriend or girlfriend who drug you to church. Some of you, your parents have made you come. But if everyone can listen very closely, today's message is all about saying yes to the Holy Spirit. So I will press that onto your side of the table. Have you said yes to the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? You are a soul, a spirit. And you can try to save yourself. You will be unsuccessful. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life.